Hey everybody, welcome to this Ocean Life podcast. I'm your host, Josh Peterson. Thanks so much for being here today and supporting the podcast and listening to yet another insanely awesome guest that I'm so fortunate to have on. Uh, last few months have been kind of fun. I had a, a nice run of guests from Maui, kind of focused on the island of Maui and the water life there. And the last few episodes have been focused back here at home in Santa Cruz. Uh, and all, a lot of the legends who I interact with here locally and get to spend time with. And today uh, we continue that thread with Kevin Dunn, a personal friend of mine, founder and operator of Burnout Sun Care. One of the first environmentally friendly and health conscious sunscreens to hit the market almost 20 years ago. Now, Kevin takes us through his days of living and surfing on Maui, traveling and surfing in Indonesia, to his kitchen where he made his first batch of sunscreen. We hear of Kevin's focus to make a sunscreen that lasted in the water while being healthy for both people and the planet, the challenges he faced early on with bringing this then niche product to market, and the amazing reaction to his sunscreen that the market has had since. Kevin shares his knowledge of the chemicals and ingredients used in sunscreens, their effects on people and corals, and gives us a great overview of what reef safe really means. We talk global warming, ocean acidification, and the effects that sunscreen chemicals have on corals, with mention of some of the responses that places like Palau and Hawaii have taken to help protect their coral reefs from these chemicals. And Kevin also shares his philosophy, Burnout Sun Care, and his drive to minimize every aspect of their environmental impact as a company. Now, if you're interested in checking out this sunscreen, he's got more than that too. He's got wrinkle cream and aloe and after uh, sun stuff. I've got a whole line at my house. My whole family uses it all the time. Go check out his website, burnoutsun.com. Kevin's been really gracious, giving us a coupon code, this Ocean Life 50. It's in the show notes here. Check it out. You get 50% off. So you get all his stuff, any of these things, any of the sunscreens, after uh, sun products for half off. Give it a shot. Uh, it's all I use, honestly. And I hype it up during the show, and I just really can't say enough about it. So thanks, as always, for being here, supporting the podcast, giving a listen, giving a shout, giving some good comments on your podcast app. Really appreciate it. So now let's learn about some sunscreen, get excited about doing something good for the planet, and get into the ocean life of Kevin Dunn. Kevin, life in the water. You've been surfing, doing all kinds of stuff in the water. There's this really neat story behind your kind of progression, I guess, from your life in the water, your schooling to the point where now you run a sunscreen company. Pretty psyched to have you to, to hear about all that today. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I'm, I'm psyched to be here, man. And, and I got to say, I love the podcast. I've been <laughs> listening to it and it's really awesome. So, yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I'll try to not screw this one up. I've been having some weird technical issues lately, which is like, I think Mars is out of alignment or something in the solar system. My technical capabilities have been odd. So I have redundant backups today. So hopefully we're good. Well, good. At least you can solve those technical <laughs> issues because I can't. So. <laughs> right on, man. Well, let's start with like just today, man. You know, um, for folks listening, like Burnout Sun Care has been one of my kind of go-to. Just I always talk about it. I think people listen to the show who've been through it. I've heard about your sunscreen, your product, you know, so excited to have you share. So just talk, just start with where you're at today. Describe the company, what you do, like what you're trying to do with it as well. Yeah. You know, when, when I started the brand, I, I was just trying to figure out sunscreen. So I was working in environmental science at a startup in Hawaii and I just got interested in sunscreens because I was generally shopping at natural food stores, mm -hmm. you know, trying to eat healthy, trying to be healthy. And and really at that point, there was kind of two types of sunscreens. There was sunscreens with a lot of chemicals that maybe worked good if you're a surfer. You know, they would stay on, they would last. Maybe they wouldn't run into your eyes, things like that. And then there was the sunscreens in the health food stores and they didn't work for surfing. But, right. But they had a much better ingredient base. You know, they were trying to stay away from the chemicals. And that sort of got me going, like, how do, how do I make something that can achieve all of that clean ingredients right it'll work for surfing it'll stay on but especially if like you go to hawaii or you're you're traveling to indonesia or these places it's intense you yeah. know and if yeah just even the the glare you know when the sun's mm. coming down and if that sunscreen gets in your eyes you know it's yeah and brutal. the waves are big yeah. it's like yeah. so 
Yeah, I just started. I started kind of calling companies, asking questions. Hey, like, I love your product, you know? Um, how do you do this? How do you do that? And that's how I started to figure out, you know, how do these emulsifiers work? Mm -hmm. What are the active ingredients? And then when I was living in Maui, working over there, I, I met a biochemist who actually was making a sunscreen. And so I started, you know, asking that guy questions all the time. And then actually I volunteered to help that guy. And I learned a tremendous amount yeah. from him because we were actually making products. And then I just made one product on my own. You know, it was just a zinc oxide sunscreen, basically made it in my kitchen. <laughs> oh, and, that's uh, cool. <laughs> it's like a homebrew. Just to do an <laughs> attempt, you know? Yeah. And it turned out pretty good. People actually liked it. Yeah. I liked it. It worked, but it, it needed work, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't stable. It wasn't going to last yeah, that break long. Yeah, down on you. Yeah, so I went from there. Um, I found a, a chemist to help me in California. And we worked on the first formula, you know? And then we made like 5,000 of them. At that point, I was getting some press, like Santa yeah. Cruz Sentinel. We had a bunch of press um, in like surf magazines, fashion magazines, mountain yeah. biking. Oh, wow. And so there there was sort of some demand for that first product. And, right. And so... That's where it all started. And we just went from there. Yeah. And, yeah. Dude, that's rad. So it's like you... You were an active participant in the water yourself. So you knew like what you needed out of a sunscreen because you're surfing, you were spending time in Indo, like you did a bunch of stuff, which we'll ask you about in a, in a moment. But at some point you got what disenchanted kind of with like the stuff, the sunscreens you had available to you or were you, and you wanted to make your own or are you just curious about, Hey, how hard is it to actually make something? You know, how'd that go down your first attempt at this? Yeah, you know, what happened was like, I'm Irish, I have really fair skin. My father had skin cancer. And so even when I was a kid, my dad was pushing sunscreens on me. Oh. And they were horrible back then. It was kind of like vegetable oil with, totally. with chemicals. Greasy as all hell. Yeah, horrible. I sort of had that history. And then when it came to that time when I was thinking, man, I, I could make one of these. There just wasn't a product for me, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because I was had finished college, I studied environmental science. I was working in some interesting waste management projects. Yeah. Um, I got this job in Hawaii at this company, Sustainable Technologies. I just, it wasn't so much that I saw a business opportunity. I just saw there wasn't a product that, that yeah. fit my lifestyle. You're right. And I kind of just set out at first just to learn like, hey, how are they making these things? And why why are they using so many right. chemicals? When was that? Give us a date. Because I'm trying to tie that back to the sunscreen I was using at that time. So when was that? So it's like late 90s. Late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember around that time, I'm just trying to remember back the stuff we were using. Remember bullfrog? Yeah, it was bullfrog. Dude, it looked like you said vegetable oil. Like I remember putting that on your face. And it looked like you would just, yeah, spray, you sprayed yourself with vegetable oil. It's yeah. crazy. And it kind of worked. It kind of did. got in your eyes. You couldn't see. And then there was the like, extreme of just straight up zinc. Yeah. Straight up zinca. But you never cover your whole face because you look kind of lame. So you just put it on your nose and your lips and stuff. And then, but yeah, I remember that. And then there's everything else just didn't really work, you know? Yeah. And actually, Bullfrog was one of the, the products I used mm -hmm. at that time, yeah. you know? And, and didn't love it, but I, I would say that product did work. Yeah. And that was kind of one of the things I thought about was like, hey, this product works, but it's got all chemical sunscreens. Yeah. And then when I, when I really started to get in the industry, the whole industry is built off of chemicals. Right. You know, all of the chemists are like pharmaceutically trained. And so it's, a, it's an industry where the ingredients, they would naturally go to, say you were going to make a sunscreen and you went to a manufacturer and said, hey, I want to come out with this product. Typically, that's what they would give you is a, mm. is a product. Hey, it's right. SPF 30. Yeah. But those those sunscreens have a lot yeah. of chemicals in them. Right. So we just set out, started working with zinc. Zinc is yeah pretty amazing, but it just works differently than, yeah. than chemical sunscreens. So. so when you started doing this, was there other sunscreens out there that you kind of looked up to you looked up to and kind of patting yourself off to like basically good for you good for environment sunscreens out there so at that time those products were in the health food market 
Yeah. And kind they're buried in the back, like just all yeah. the and back then it was the category was small. Yeah. So a lot of small companies, you know, like I can't even think yeah. of a lot of the yeah. names, but like hard to find. Yeah, and yeah. they were kind of from that industry. Mm -hmm. So they weren't developed for surfing or action sports. Right, or, right. But I saw that like, okay, that product has something good. You know, Bullfrog has something good. You know, Zinka, that, yeah, Zinka. that, yeah. that works, you know? Yep. So what's, what's happened over the years is that the technology for zinc oxide has gotten much better. So it used to be mm. that Zinka was basically, it's a powder, it's a mineral powder. And that's why it's so thick. And so what companies started to do is they take zinc particles and suspend it in a carrier oil. So it could be like a coconut oil derivative. There are some with silicones, jojoba oil. Mm -hmm. And that's when the products, they micronized it. So they took that powder molecule and made it into a smaller molecule. And then with that suspension, the product started going on mm. not clear, but way better than the zinc. Right. Zinca, like you said, you know? They, yeah, they, they tweaked it. Right. Yeah, so that that made it a lot easier to yeah. work with zinc. Got it. And it's it's easier to work with chemical sunscreens because they, they do apply really well and they're easy to work with. Yeah. But it's really important to understand how a chemical sunscreen works. So it's, you rub it in your skin and it there's a chemical reaction. So it has to absorb into your skin and then actually the the active ingredient absorbs the UV light and then it, it dissipates that as heat from your body. So this chemical reaction has to function for that ingredient to work. Yeah. In your skin. In your skin. Right. So there's some there's some health issues with that yeah. that we can talk about. Yeah. But Gotcha. Where zinc is a topical, right. and it just reflects it just, UV light. Yeah, it doesn't rely on any chemical right. reaction, so it's sort of a simpler, yep, more straightforward process. Yep. yep. So as long as you apply enough zinc, yeah, you're you're pretty good to go. Yeah, got it, got it. So you started out, you found a chemist. You said you're on Maui. You start working with this guy. You make five thousand tubes. What did you do from there? I mean, how did you get it out there? I mean, I was a surfer. That was what I was doing. That's what I wanted to do. And I was living in Hawaii. And, you know, I was pretty much surfing every day. And I lived on the North Shore of Maui, so there wasn't much else to do. Yeah. You know, so we we bought cheap cars and yeah, we had jobs, you know. But other than that, we just surfed. You know, we'd spearfish. You know, I spent some time windsurfing and was trying a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, you know? rad. Based on my lifestyle, what I was thinking is, wow, this would be awesome if I could build a company mm. and be able to continue living this lifestyle. Rad, man. You know? um, what you're doing today? You're still spearfishing, kinda, surfing every day. <laughs> yeah, I'm working a lot, you know. <laughs> but so when I created those products, I got some press and the, there was demand from surf shops. But what was interesting is there was all this demand from health food ah. because we sort of were the first one to create that category like we were talking about earlier right it's like water resistant it's clean no chemicals it's not going to run into your eyes right so all of a sudden it was like in in santa cruz you know there was new leaf markets um staff of life yeah and then um whole foods picked up the product uh whole foods put us in like 30 five stores in Northern California. And we became like a top seller. At that point, we made a deal to go into distribution with a few of like the largest health food distributors in the world. Yeah. So we're then we go national in Whole Foods and it's a it's a process, you know, we're in this region. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, we're meeting with buyers here and there and then we're here. Yeah. Um, so it actually and the volume was big. It's grocery stores. Like, where do you buy your sunscreen, you know? Yeah, yeah. Most people buy it in drugstores. Yep, yep. CVS. Grocery or, yeah, store. Yeah. And I think the surf industry has grown a lot since then. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's become a much more viable business model, I think. You know, oh, for there's, sure. There's a lot of big companies. and But this, at that time, and we were small. So we oh, decided yeah. like, hey, well, let's, let's try to do one thing well. Let's not try to be everywhere. Yeah. 
And so we kind of went down that road of, of health food. Yeah. So did you notice at that time, so you were talking like mid to late nineties is when you start coming out with this stuff, correct? Yeah. Like I, was that was that? when I made the, a one product. Yeah. So late nineties yeah. ish. Just right around. Yeah, yeah. 2000 basically. And so, and again, I'm trying to like think back myself, like it was, it felt like it was a time when in general, people were becoming much we're already environmentally aware uh -huh. and health conscious not to the degree we are today because the challenges we all face with all kinds of different things in the environment which i think we'll talk about with different at least our perspective on them we just didn't really know i'm just curious like the marketability of a healthy sunscreen i'm just looking at myself back in the day when i was late 90s it was like did it was it hard to sell it you know was there were people already looking for a healthy and good quality sunscreen at that time yeah and i think i think that mostly existed in health food yeah okay it was that yeah. that sect that sector kind of yeah like a yeah. lot of our customers are our moms yeah you know they want something for Got themselves it. for their kids something they they can yeah. trust gotcha you know, so it wasn't 20 year old dudes like me at that time, like who had six bucks, maybe five to spend on sunscreen. No. That wasn't them. It was the moms who were looking for something quality for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at that time it was like, what? It's, it's 20 bucks for a tube of this yeah. stuff, but it's like, oh, we're, we're making very high quality yeah, stuff. Right. We're, we're sourcing the best ingredients. Yeah. And even beyond that, we're always trying to figure out even if it's a natural ingredient or it's a plant-based ingredient, you got to figure out, you know, how do they produce that? How do they extract that? Say it's from some plant source. You know, sometimes the extraction process, there's toxins. Oh, in that. Yeah. To so, extract the zinc or whatever other minerals. Yeah, or maybe yeah. it's socially, it's grown in a place where they don't treat mm. people well. They don't pay them well, yeah, you know. Right. Right. So we're we're really digging deep on every aspect of that, hmm. every ingredient, and we're trying to get as close as possible to. You can never be truly yeah. sustainable, but as close as we can get to right. that. Right. Yeah. And what a challenge too, I'm guessing, to balance that against profit. You have to make money. You're you're running a company. You have to compete against other sunscreens who may claim the same quality or same what effectiveness healthiness, whatever, but might come in $2 cheaper, $5 cheaper. So it's like this a constant balance. I mean, talk about that, just how you have to, how you focus on that. That's tough. I mean, you, you always have that competitive aspect that that's just part of being in business, you know? And, and I think, I think sunscreen, personal care products, they've come a long way in terms of that. Like you used to kind of be able, you could say anything. Yeah. You used to say waterproof. Everyone would say waterproof, right. but they didn't actually test it. Yeah. But now there's a, a lot of third party testing built into everything. So now you can say it's either 40 minute water resistant or 80 minute as far as the US. And so you have to do third party testing to prove uh, that. And the FDA has continued to add a lot of regulation. Right. Which is good and bad yeah. but uh it's it's a lot tougher now to just make any claims we are focused on you know being truthful yeah truthful about the ingredients and you know when i started i realized like i could look at a formula and be like oh they're not yeah they're not saying everything that's in there really he could just, yeah like by putting some on your hand looking at their ingredients list you're like dude these guys are not full disclosure here and you didn't you didn't used to have to yeah so but you can look at f formulas and there are certain things like the preservative system you use the emulsifiers yeah you know that those are the really challenging mm. aspects of formulating yeah. sort of natural clean products right because there's there's sort of chemical synthetic options that just work right they're super easy to work yeah. with they're really stable and so we sort of went down this road. We've been breaking some new ground. Yeah. Um, and we have some amazing products coming out. Yeah. That I think no one has actually achieved. Wow. Based on the strict tier of ingredients yeah. we're working with. Right. So for folks like listening, even for myself, like there's on like food labels for food, drinks, et cetera, there's certain things that now are like a skull and crossbones for people. High fructose corn syrup is one. It's like one of those things where for 
you know, health conscious people, you don't, you try not to consume that. So if you saw that on your label, you're like, ah, I'm not going to buy this for sunscreen. Is there like a, is there like a, a corollary in the sunscreen world? Like a certain ingredient, if you saw it on there, like, dude, don't touch that stuff because it's bad for you or bad for the environment, a certain chemical. Yeah. So the ingredient that has been studied the most, and there's probably the most information out there. Some of it's not exactly correct, you know, but it's, it's called oxybenzone. You're right, which you see. Yeah, oxybenzone was basically in like 95% right. of products. I recognize that name just by scanning, like I don't really look, but yeah. Yeah, so, so when you look at the US, there are 16 approved ingredients that are active, protective sunscreen ingredients. And two of them are mineral, um, zinc oxide, titanium dioxide. The other 14 are chemicals. Yep. And they all have a similar function, like I mentioned before. They all work that same way. What's happened is oxybenzone, one of the first things some studies indicated that it was penetrating your epidermis and getting into your blood. So it's basically getting into your endocrine system and moving throughout your body sort of creating, you know, free radical damage yeah. on a cellular level. So it's a, they call it a, a genotoxin. It's toxic at a cellular level, right? which is basically a carcinogenic ingredient. Right. So that's the main human health issue. It's also, so it's an endocrine disruptor. It can mimic yeah. things in your endocrine system. Right. And totally tweak you out. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. So you're hearing now uh, sunscreens are toxic to corals, right? Yep. You're hearing a lot about that. And so that's one ingredient is uh, oxybenzone, that Hawaii band. Is also toxic to corals as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's toxic, especially to, to juvenile corals. Mm. So it, it basically stunts their development. In the same similar way, it penetrates into like the tissue and then disrupts the normal systems therein exactly yeah so they can't develop into an adult and then when you combine that with you know warming ocean temperatures right. they just ocean acidification right. super stressed yeah yeah so like the ocean is a huge basically a storage sink for carbon dioxide yeah. you know and that's actually kept temperatures yep. down what's happening is as more carbon dioxide is stored in the ocean it's changing the ph of the yep. ocean and that and it's lowering pH. So what corals need to develop, it's basically like a limestone and they need right. a certain pH to like calcify yeah, cal yeah. and grow. And so it's weakened them in that part of their development. And then you've just got industrial runoff, industrial pollution, yeah. um, sewage treatment plant discharge. And then there's this issue with sunscreens, right? You know, especially in areas where there's a lot of people lot of snorkeling. Yeah, yeah. That's the fun. That's the interesting thing. As I when you first started, when I first started hearing about um, impacts of sunscreen of, from people on corals, there's this perception the ocean's so vast, you know, and it's water. It's always moving and fluid. It's like how could like you know on a Saturday on some reef in Mexico or Hawaii or you name it, right? 100 people or 200 people. Like how could that actually affect things? But which and me being a, a scientific background type guy like you, I was like, I was like, I can't quite grasp that. Yeah. But then it, a, it's true. But b, it's like, well, you realize there's so many freaking people, and then you know, they're this stuff. It, it all comes back to what they're putting on their bodies, you know, and then yeah. it's just basically off. So I don't know. It's 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 crazy, man. No, I think the me. ocean has an amazing ability to dilute. Yeah. A lot of these things, but but I think you know, these reefs are just being inundated with all of these different things. Yeah, that's right. And really sunscreen is down the list, you know, and it's really yeah. personal care products as a category. Yeah. It could be shampoo, right? conditioner, perfume, anything, yeah. lotions, anything people put on their body. Yeah, it washes off, it's true. And you know, there's some other interesting things going on like in Palau, they've banned now like 10 ingredients three sunscreens. The other one is called octocrylene. It's another chemical sunscreen. And they sort of took the studies a little further. So they sampled, 
you know, of course you can just sample the water and you can find yeah, these constituents in, there, in the right? water. You know, they sampled jellyfish. So there's this famous lake in Palau, oh, it's yeah. called Jellyfish Lake, right, right. which is a huge diving. Yeah. You know, that whole- Jellies everywhere. Yeah. Their whole economy is based on right. dive tourism almost. Yep. And, and actually they, so they tested the tissue of these jellyfish. They found these ingredients, but also a bunch of other personal care ingredients. Yeah. So it's- It's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a lot. Yeah, the thing that's been tripping me out that I just learned, that's probably old news for most people who are more informed than I, is the fibers from our clothing. Right. You know, that one I was like, oh, shit, man. It's like, you know, like, that's a tough one. Yeah. You know, like that's in the animals, it's in the ocean, that's just the fibers, you know, so. Yeah, that's, they call crazy. that microfiber pollution. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. That's something that we're really looking at is to, so if, if you step back and you look at our whole waste system. Yeah. So everything we throw away, um, the clothing we make, I mean, fashion and clothing manufacturing is, yeah. is one of the worst Dirty. industries. And cotton, you know, just if you're making stuff out of cotton, it's, you know, it's the like the third crop just behind corn and soybeans in yeah. terms of like pesticide, yeah. herbicides, fungicides. They even use these defoliant chemicals. So when they harvest the cotton and they're going to bale it, they if you have those leaves from the cotton plant end up in those bales, you know, they mold. Yeah, screws it up. So they spray another chemical on there to kill off the leaves. And so cotton is is really bad. And so you have, what's interesting is you, you look at like, okay, we have recycling, right? We create all this waste. Basically like 15% of what we throw in the blue bin is actually getting recycled. 15. 15%. Wow. So the rest is either contaminated with food waste. Right. They can't do it. Yeah. Can't clean it. And the rest is just, we really actually don't have that infrastructure. Right, to actually process it and break it down and do something with it. Yeah, but so now I think one of the huge things coming is, is you, you can recycle plastic, you can make fibers out of it, you can produce clothing, but there's not a big market for that. Yeah. Our consumption levels are so high, you know, we're buying so much stuff, there's no market for all that plastic. So it gets recycled into some raw form. Nobody's there to really buy it and then use it and selling it back in some other form. Yes, yeah, some companies well, are doing it, like yeah. Patagonia's doing it. Yeah. They're doing some great things. You look at it, if companies like us, and imagine if companies like Nike and yeah. Adidas would take up these fabrics, right. it would start to create this market and then that would, companies would want to capture that waste, yeah, turn it into those products, right, they're those selling. fibers, and yeah. So all these municipalities around the U.S. they don't have the infrastructure, and a lot of that waste was just getting shipped to China, right, and then just. But now China is not even taking it because there's yeah. no market for it. Right, there's like, too much of it. You yeah, know? yeah, they can't do anything with it. And now you guys too are moving to like recycled packaging as well. So trying to put this stuff in something that's as you know environmentally friendly as possible. So talk about the transition to more environmentally friendly packaging and the challenges you face with that. Cause it sounds like it's probably not an easy thing to do just kind of overnight. It's not. What we're probably gonna have to do is do what we can yep. to mitigate that. Yep. As like we're just talking about, you know, I think these industries are developing and there is some good things with bioplastics. Cause you have to look at plastic it's, you know, it's a revolutionary thing. I started yeah. making all this stuff out of plastic after the World War. It's, it's, it's very light, it's durable. Um, you can do all kinds of different things with it, but it's got a dark side, Totally, you know? And, and that's the real challenge is because the main issue environmentally is global warming. You know, how do we reduce greenhouse gases yep. going into the atmosphere? Uh, the biggest way would be to lessen our consumption as individuals. Yep. But at the same time, if we can develop these new industries and these new products, and I think there's a lot of good things going on with recycled plastic. Mm. We're moving towards that 
and we're looking at some other materials. Yep. We think we found some that are pretty revolutionary, but the industries are early yeah. in development. Right. So figuring out how we can actually turn that into the right thing for us, right. for sunscreen. Could be a little time. It's kind of early. Yeah. yeah, but right. we're working really hard on that. And, and I think it's coming and I'm excited about it. You know, you can do things like you can use aluminum you can use cardboard yeah. or paper packaging, but it's not that functional. Right. The aluminum, that industry has a lot of issues, so there's no perfect solution. And I think right now, everyone wants to get away from plastics, but I think plastics aren't going away. Yeah. So how do we make yeah. it better? And then how do we couple that with lessening consumption? So if we can start to capture all this waste, that's a big problem. We're not capturing all the waste. And a lot of countries and places don't have infrastructure. So they yeah, still just throw stuff in the ground. Totally. They throw it in the river. Yep. I mean, even here, if you go to the beaches. Yeah, it, there's all kinds of stuff that washes up. There's so much plastic on the beach. Yeah. If you yeah. go to the boardwalk, I mean, it's yeah. crazy. So yeah. it needs to be sort of all of those things yeah. coming together at the same time. Yeah. So what are you noticing like? in the market now so you know when you started back in the late 90s it was like the product you provide healthy environmentally healthy people healthy friendly sunscreen was kind of is a super niche product now fast forward 20 years it's much more mainstream the awareness of people for buying products that are healthy for them in the environments much different but is there still a challenge like in terms of the marketability again because there's a price point it's not eight dollar sunscreen at the local drugstore you know end cap where this where the chewing gum is it's right. different right are you seeing a an increase in call it awareness but also call it just the market moving in general more towards buying stuff that's good for them, like sunscreen that's healthy for them and the environment? Are you seeing that uptick? Definitely. I mean, yeah. when when we started, the category was tiny. You know, it was probably 5% of the market. And now it's probably yeah. close to 40% of the oh, market. Wow. And I think it's good. There is there is a lot more companies, but it's it's grown that category. Absolutely. It's helped us yeah, grow it validates as it, yeah. well, you know. Yep. But I think it's sort of a more more and more people I think are just having a holistic approach to life. It's yeah. like I want to eat organic food. I don't want to put chemicals on my skin, you know? I don't want to put chemicals on my kids. Yep. Part of it is education. You know, a lot of people don't know what all those ingredients are. Yeah, yeah, it's true at and, all. And a lot of companies hmm. are are claiming because you know the the reef safe sunscreen thing is a really interesting look into it because hawaii banned two ingredients and so some companies still use those ingredients some companies just quickly changed to two other chemicals mm. that have the exact right. same function but have a different name yeah and and the thing is is it's the science is early so the science like we talked about was really focused on oxybenzone and octanoxate. That's the two ingredients they banned in Hawaii. But there's 12 other chemical yeah. sunscreens. So a lot of companies made this quick switch or they combine those chemicals with zinc oxide and people don't know. They they yeah. wa they yeah. want a healthy product. Right. And so maybe that reef safe product, you have, you have to look into it a little deeper. Right. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to know about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see like um, the, the purchase decision of like your product or the cat, this category of product, are people buying it because they feel they're convinced that it's good for them, like the physical human side of it, or more like they are buying it because they're convinced it's good for the environment or like, is it both? It's definitely both, yeah. but it was definitely human health was the focus. Right. I think now we're just realizing that, you know, we used to just used to just throw your, you know, you buy this product, you have that bottle, you know, you drink your drink and you throw it in the blue bin and you think, oh, yeah. something good, good is going to happen yeah. with that. And we're really now just realizing that, like, we have a huge problem yeah. with waste in general. That is the environmental thing is is really becoming a part of people's yeah purchase decisions right you know how how is this product going to interact with me and how is it going to interact with the environment yeah yeah 
And so as companies, I think we just need to be better and be going down that road because there's no perfect solution, but you got to be taking action, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's, I mean, that's admirable for sure. And it's like that statement, if, if every company in the world said that and meant it, we'd probably be in a pretty, in a different position with a lot of the issues pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's like probably not going to happen, unfortunately. But like back to like the reef safe thing, you know, and it's again, an education um, piece as well for us, me as a consumer to understand what that means, what, what reef safe means. But how do you cope with other competitive products who put that reef safe label or print on the bottle, on the packaging who aren't, right? I mean, is there a lot of that that you see? You mentioned people can substitute these two banned chemicals for these two others. Is that just a constant constant sort of arms race of these other competitors who just are kind of trying to come in cheaper, you know, lower in the price point to always do that? Yeah, and I think it's that's just business. You know, yeah. everyone's in it for, for something different. And it really comes down to educating people and people are going to make those decisions. So I think there's always going to be companies that people are going to buy their products. You know, it's going to be all about the bottom line. But I think ultimately we're moving in the right direction. And, yeah. and that's the big positive is that like, even though all of the products out there aren't technically reef safe and, and it's again, the science is early. So we really don't know, but it's pretty clear that chemical sunscreens are toxic to coral reefs yeah. and aquatic organisms. And so that could be, part of that could be just, you know, if you're if you're going on a trip and you're, you're gonna be snorkeling, maybe, you know, wear a rash guard and try yeah. to apply right. as little product as possible, right. you right. know, and apply it 20 minutes before you go out. So some of it can be how you prepare for that and, yeah. and what you use, but yeah, that's, the thing is, is so the, the reef safe science is going to expand right now. It's only a few ingredients, but pretty soon it's, yeah. it's going to be more. And so companies will adapt. And, yeah. And I think yeah. ultimately it's heading in the right direction. Yeah. Good point. Good point. And that's a nice byproduct of well, the focus of just ocean monitoring is understanding what's causing these problems and tying it back to the chemical level within the ocean and then saying, it's this chemical, it's this, et cetera, you know, the, a certain concentration of the chemicals coming off of us that we're using. And then that'll come back to the companies need to stop using that stuff. You know, there's more scrutiny on the water. One thing that popped in my head too, is funny. Like, I don't know why this popped. It's like going to Waikiki, right? So you go to Waikiki and there's, there's tourists from all over the world everywhere. Right. And I remember being there and I'm now I'm like kind of kicking myself, like kind of kind of clowning <laughs> with my kids on the full body rash guards. Oh, yeah. You see those. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, to head to toe. Right. You know, and we're like laughing. We're like getting tan and like, oh, look at those guys. And now I'm like, dude, here I was laughing at them. Right. But yet I was slathered in sunscreen. Right. Who knows? It was probably I probably bought it from the. Um, the ABC store, yeah, because we weren't where is the sun tropical, you know, this whatever it was, and I was probably f screwing up, unleashing stuff into the water while here these people were, see the beach maybe once a year, but not doing any of that because they're in full rash guards, right? You know? So anyway, looking back, I'm like, what a hypocrite. <laughs> no, it's funny, and I, and I think there's a huge balance there in terms of sun protection. Yeah, it's not just about sunscreen anymore. Yeah. And it's really, you know, it's about wearing hats and, yeah, and wearing a long sleeve. And, and yeah. because you just think about your daily exposure when a lot of people aren't wearing sunscreen. Yep. You know, if you're I just know. like even just our kids at school. Yeah. They're out on that hot black playground. Yeah. You know, 20 minutes for this break. Totally. 40 minutes for lunch. Yeah. It adds and then up. you add it up at the end of the month. It's like, oh, that's like 3000 minutes. Yeah. You know, so yeah, daily use is really important. And that's what we've really broke it down. We're making light daily use products, you yeah. know, and then we kind of have some medium duty products that are good for surfing and in a temperate climate. Right. And then we've got some heavier stuff. You know, if you're going to be traveling to the tropics, you know, you need something more serious. That's that's basically 20 to 25% zinc oxide. Wow. Yeah. Because it lasts, the zinc, that's the 
Or this, the reflectivity of it is key to keep the sun off you from getting burnt. Yeah, it, it works good. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, you know, if you're going to be in Indo and you're, you know, you're sweating all the time and you need a product that's really water resistant. Yeah. But you don't want to wear that product. Yeah. Just out, you right. know. Yeah. When you're at the club or the bar, you don't hey, want white. Watching your you. kids playing a soccer yeah. game. Right. You know, you want to just put yeah. on something that's that yeah. works. It's functional, but it's yeah. light. It's got a nice texture, you know. Yeah. 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 So staying on Indo and kind of switching gears a little bit, I mean, part of this too is is you spent you know some time in the tropics and everything and, and you mentioned life on maui for a while but you've also had multiple like used to have make some routine trips out to indo didn't you back in the day yeah i was you know when i went to hawaii i had a good friend um, i went to school in santa barbara and then i went to uc santa cruz and i had a really good friend he's from saratoga his name's scott Bela. i'll just mention him because he has a the red frog resort in panama oh nice on the caribbean side in boca del toros we oh yeah wow so he's been there for years and he's the man down there he's really you know, got a bunch of panga boats and he knows all the good waves oh, and, but i was going to visit him i was going to stay for two months in maui me and him were going to go on a, like a two-month indo trip and then i was just going to come back yeah i went there just loved it it's amazing living in hawaii but uh yeah, I did this first trip to Indo, you know, just um, Bali, yeah, Lombok, Sumbawa, um, G-Land. Kind of mainstream, yeah. Yeah, just like the kind of the the entry level mm-hmm. trip. Just scored G-Land and stuff. Just oh, amazing. You really? Know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Did that trip and then I went back to Hawaii instead of coming back to California. And then I ended up just staying for five years and got a great job and so what i was doing is i would just go on that trip every summer no really yeah for what a couple weeks two months oh god yeah and the company i was working for always threatened to fire me because they were like no way man (laughs) you're not leaving for two months two months the guy would be like what (laughs) yeah i'm going for two months you know it's it's on the bucket list yeah gotta do it gotta do it so wow for how many years? Like five years you did yeah, that trip? Yeah. Wow, man. So you got to know Indo pretty well. Yeah. Then I really did, did some amazing boat trips and really got up in the Mentawise and a little just, bit further out. Oh, man. You know, you're, I mean, it's so amazing. You, you're on a boat, they take you somewhere, just perfect waves, you know, amazing food, beer, yeah. or whatever. But then you go to sleep and they taxi at night right. and you wake up and you're at some like, other place. <laughs> like, what? And you do that for 10, 12 days. Yeah. And then you go back and stay somewhere else, you know. And when was the last time you were there? So, yeah, I haven't been since, you know, 2008 or something. So, I definitely want to get back and and do that again, you know. Wow. I mean, I'd love to do that with you, man. I mean, yeah. Let's do it anytime. Let's go go right now. Sometimes (laughs) sometimes it's hard to find people to go on those trips. Yeah, for sure. No, that's been like, I've been angling that way for a long time. And with the kids getting older and everything, it's so much more doable. So anyway, I'm reading this book right now. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Actually, I'm listening to it on my commute, but it's based on a true story. It is a true story. But of these... um, it was like 2013, the South African crew of buddies for the guy's 50th birthday. They're going to the Mentawise. They're making the, the crossing um, to out there and super sick. The guy blacked out because he was so dehydrated, fell over and spent basically like, I think I'm like on in the book, like hour nine of him treading water. Wow. While the bot, you know, and then it's like all the activation, they realize he's gone. They're like eight hours away, turning around. But I guess he was out there for like 12 hours in that ch- that channel, that uh-huh. like massive giant channel. Anyway, sidebar, but uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. No, it's amazing because I was, when I was going to school in Santa Cruz, I was going to like Costa Rica every summer. And my buddy Scott in Hawaii just kept saying, oh, you're blowing it, man. Because yeah. he was going to Indo. Right. He's like, mm. And uh, it's true. You know, Costa Rica's like, cool, but Indo. Oh, Costa Rica's amazing. But Indo's like up here. Just the waves are so perfect. And yeah. it's, it's, it's once in a lifetime. Like if you haven't been there, you know, there's obviously lots of good places to go and lots of good waves around the world. Yeah. 
but it's just a plethora of just amazing waves. Dude, and, yeah. I don't know if you heard one of the podcasts, um, our local family, the Coopers. You might, Robin oh, and Brian. Yeah, no. Yeah, they've been in Fiji, touring around the sailboat, going to New Zealand for like eight months, and they've been there booking it to Indo and been doing Indo for like six months or something. Wow. And, and you know, it's a lot of sailing, and who knows, things might change. But uh, yeah, they're like, you're just going to creep around and check out every nook and cranny in Indo for a while. It's like, that's such a cool story yeah, yeah man. man so rad so then kevin i mean what's next and you know you mentioned you're working on some cool new stuff we're changing the packaging trying to get more just environmentally friendly in general with top to bottom with the sub the your products themselves the packaging etc i mean what's in the future for you man anything uh any big plans you know it's it's really to continue this focus to get this thing to the right place yeah you know and that it's difficult so sometimes we're you want to do something but the industry isn't there yet you know so it's it's going to be that continued pursuit and then some of the things i'm getting really into is like talking to kids oh cool the educational aspect yeah of that's badass man. I, I love it and i think what's really happening right now as you see there's there's a lot of climate protests going on yep and it's pretty amazing. These kids are, you know, they're 10, 12, yeah. middle schoolers. Yeah. And I think there's a, a deep fear out there yeah. with these kids. You yeah. Because if you think about it, you know, and again, equating my knowledge of reef safe, environmentally friendly, anything 20 years ago versus like I didn't grow up with it. We just, you just did whatever. Right. You threw your ball, you know, and I, I now the kids they've grown up hearing this stuff they're 10 now they've heard it dude since day one yeah depending where they're at what, what what environment they're in but for the most part it's around and so now like you said 10 12 these kids are aware you know and so i think there's so much value in your ability to hit them anytime you can whether it's a school class or a lecture or something because i think they're going to respond and tomorrow it's so today's thursday tomorrow's that like the climate uh, walkout for yeah. kids worldwide. They expect a million kids. I'm gonna have a discussion with my kids later to be sure. If you do it, you better do it with your heart. You know that, that it's meaningful. For right, you. right. But it's totally different than when 30 years ago when we were that age. Yeah, totally different. Yeah, and and when you when you really look at the information out there, there's there's sort of these doomsday yeah. scenarios. That's right. You know, and it's a lot of it is. You know, there's these trigger points if if the temperatures get high enough, yep. or if you know all of the ice melts. Yeah. You know, extreme amounts of methane are going to be released, and and methane is like 20 times the greenhouse mm -hmm. gas as carbon dioxide, and it doesn't stay in the atmosphere as long, but it packs a huge punch. And so that's actually a lot of questions I'm getting from these kids. So I'll do like oh, wow. career days, or um, you know, I'm doing a lot of events with like Whole Foods and things like that. But I'll go to these schools and maybe I'll talk to a classroom. Um, sometimes they set me up in like gymnasium or something and, and they'll cool. just funnel kids through all the a whole class, you know. And these kids are amazing. You know, the thing that's that I'm seeing is they're so good with technology and they're also have this fear of this problem. Mm. And they realize that like the adults in the room aren't yeah doing a lot you know <laughs> they're seeing that really they're feeling that pressure yeah. like it's all going to be on our generation wow. wow man and so that's what that's i'm talking true. about is like the the different opportunities in environmental science i mean there's some amazing not just jobs but like projects where you get to travel all yeah, over the totally. world but it's it's all going to be combined with technology yeah now. and you know, maybe it's it's mapping these coral reefs, uh, yeah. building weather models, all of these kind of things, so we can generate more data yep. and more predictive ability. And so I think if we can get these kids, man, because they're so bright, right, on the right track, not necessarily like, hey, I want to go work at Google because I can make yeah. a ton of money. No, like, hey, I want to solve these. Yeah, I want to be a data scientist, but I want to apply it to whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. Plastic reduction, yeah. So it's exciting, and, and when you talk to kids, it gives you an optimistic mm, feeling. Sometimes cool. you feel like these problems, you're like, you're like, there's no way we're solving this. You know, it's too big, it's too complex, because they're really, the issues are, it's yeah, deep. massive. It's not some, like, you can just pinpoint one thing. It's, yeah. The complexity is pretty incredible. 
and I think that can wear people down and just yeah, it's true. turn them off. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So that's exciting. That's way cool, man. Yeah, I love that. I love, and that's the theme of the podcast in general, is just giving back in whichever way it is, whether it's taking a kid to learn how to surf or spearfish or mentor them in the water or just give them some knowledge to ex- or give them something to expand their own knowledge and interest in doing something, you know, good, you know, for, for the planet themselves, et cetera, you know, so I think that's rad. Yeah, man. the problems are solvable, you yeah. know, and it's, you know, I think you can you can come up with these doomsday scenarios, but sometimes that's just to get clicks and, yeah. you know, get attention. Yeah. So it's hard to hear kids asking about that, but I think I think it's time to still be optimistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. I agree with that too, man. I totally agree. Well, dude, thank you for sharing all this. Like, I, I mean, I know we've had some, like, car rides up to the snow to go snowboarding and had these conversations, but... It's rad to hear it again, and I'm stoked that you're able to share and willing to share with you know the podcast audience, people who listen, just the ins and outs of sunscreen. Because I know most people don't understand it. Because we just it's like a carton of milk. You open it, you pour it, you drink it. You don't really think about it. It's like sunscreen. You open it, you put it on, and you go do your thing. It's one of those kind of things. But it's great because people want to know more. So thank you for taking time and sharing today with us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. It yeah, was, it was great. Um, and so for folks listening too who want to check out Burnout Sun Care, get some get some tubes. Like I use it exclusively. My friends, my family, it's just like the best of the best. Like I won't even put other stuff on. Honestly, I'm not even just saying this. Like the green tube, I can't remember what it's called. The waterproof stuff. Like I just love it. Like I'll put it on, and even if I, when I go diving and I have a hood that covers half of my forehead, and I take my hood off. And I put it back on. It doesn't. It's still. I don't get fried. You know. And it. it lo- it's killer, man. So we got a code. We'll run if you go to Burnout Sun Care. Burnout BurnoutSun.com. Sun. Com. And yeah. this Ocean Life Fifty. That's the promo code. Yeah, fifty percent off to everything on the you site. You can't go wrong code. trying to check it out. Find these guys in Whole Foods. We'll put all this stuff in the show notes too. Um, it's just like do something good for yourself and buy stuff that it's good for you in the world that's really why i love what you're doing yeah thanks and i hope people will just keep sort of following us because we yeah. have some amazing new products that i'm super psyched on that excellent are, that are coming out Solid. soon and we're coming out with some really good tinted products yeah so we have a nice range of products and we're going to keep sort of adding to that to kind of try to cover sort of more of the niches you want it for. Yep. yep, You know? Yeah. Awesome, man. Cool. Well, Kevin, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. All right. Cool. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening uh, to another podcast episode. Can't do it without you. And uh, so thrilled to have you here supporting uh, myself and the podcast and all the guests uh, continually. Always appreciate a positive um, rating on your, uh, your podcast app, whether it be you know, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, just helps helps grow the podcast and uh, spread awareness. So thanks for that. And then any uh, social media mentions, always super appreciative. And uh, if you know somebody who you think would be great to have on the podcast to share the, about their ocean life, please hit me up. I'd love to chat with them. Or if you think you'd like to, let me know. Uh, email is josh at thisoceanlife.tv. All right. Thanks, guys.